Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Old Dad Jazz Podcast. I'm your host, Matyash, and today I have with me Janetta Jane. We're going to talk about kinesiology, not applied kinesiology, the regular clinical, not clinical, you know, medical kinesiology, let's say, <laughs> medical kinesiology. We're going to talk about how physical issues are nine times out of ten a result of something other than a physical pure physical issue it's something usually psychological or mental maybe even spiritual we're going to talk about her near-death experience very interesting we're going to talk about ayahuasca dmt top de ching the bible the netflix documentary social dilemma the vaccines donald trump taking supplements and much more very exciting episode so sit back relax and enjoy the podcast welcome to the new episode of all that jazz i'm your host matyash and i have with me a very special guest uh, janetta jane and she's a healer writer and a kinesiologist welcome to the podcast welcome to the show Thank you, Matthias. There you go. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Better. Uh, um, I once said the unfortunate, because uh, uh, I was a bit younger and naive, and I, I was pushing on, on this girl, my narrative that kinesiologist is, isn't that somebody that muscle tests? Because that was my applied kinesiology was my version of kinesiology, but she corrected me. So what is kinesiology then? Kinesiology is really the study, like an exercise physiologist. So it's the study of the human body in motion um, and really how to make the body work better, how to make it more athletic, how to help it to heal from injuries, how to get stronger, healthier, um, eat better, um, just basically make your body work better. So it's like a more science-based physical education Okay. So let's say if I had like, um, uh, let's say I had a knee problem and uh, I, I, had, I had pain and I didn't know why. So um, what would be the first thing you would do? I would, usually I start looking at people's posture to start. I get them to stand up, get oh, them yeah. to walk a little bit. I check their gait, if, especially if it's something going on with the knees. Mm -hmm. And from there, just from watching the way they hold themselves, the way they move, I can tell um, where they're strong, where they're weak, where they're probably having some problems. And then looking at the structure of their legs, um, often when there's a knee problem going on, uh, the knees aren't tracking straight or one leg is more built than the other because there's been a previous injury um, or there's an overcompensation, there's more movement to one side than the other. And so we start picking up on all these subtle factors before we start treatment. And then it would be, you know, depending on the problem, it would be finding, trying to figure out what's going on and then getting them stronger around the joint. Right. So it's the muscles around the joint that, that really take the stress off the joint and make it stronger. So each, each injury depends. Sometimes it's just like stay off your leg or you're overtraining or, you know, there's, there's a million things that it can be. Um, yeah. 
But we do try to get people active as soon as possible. Right. Well, what tends to happen is with people that have injuries, they tend to avoid using a certain leg and then they use the, the other leg more to like absolutely. overcompensate, right? Yeah, absolutely. And does yeah. kinesiology then try to like uh, see the, does it, uh, can it measure like the, the uh, where the things are going wrong? Yeah, when they get into, but even when you get into the higher levels of orthopedic doctors and sports medicine doctors and stuff, they, they, they still tend to do the hands-on, watching the walk, looking at the body, um, the same kind of stuff we have. Of course, when you get into the higher levels of athletics, then they have a lot more machinery to test movement and angles, and they take it down to the, you know, certain de small degrees, and they work from there. But for most of us, we're just watching how people move. Um, and where they're stronger, where they're weaker. Mm -hmm. And then we really deal with the body as a whole too. It's not just strengthening the muscles around the knee. It could be that their whole core is weak and that's setting everything else off. So it's, it's, a, it's a full body thing. And actually the whole kinesiology, like when I work with clients, I look at everything. Um, that's why I say I'm also a healer because I, I will take someone, I'll find out what's going on for them. And you, often things are manifesting on a physical plane, but nine times out of 10, it's not just physical. It's usually emotional, psychological. Um, and then, then I also look at, you know, what's going on for you intellectually, what's going on for you socially, mm -hmm. you know? going on for you and nutritionally and all these other areas and it all builds up to create uh, a wheel of wellness a spectrum and then I can see oh wow you've got nothing going on in this area you know like what are we going to do about this and so and that's what makes people healthier because usually when their body breaks down it's at the end game it's it's when you know, they've been through a divorce and then their child commits suicide and their whole body falls apart and they think it's the body, but it's been a whole plethora of major stressors in their lives that they may not have dealt with effectively, they might not have grieved and essentially their body just starts to break down. So mm. the body is an amazing instrument for detailing what's going on in someone's life. It doesn't lie. So the body is basically the last stand. Like if you have issues socially or financially or whatever, and you're worrying about stuff, then eventually it's going to show itself in the physical body one way or another. Yes. Yes, exactly. How did you get into uh, the spiritual healing? Because um, you said you're a healer. Yeah. Um, I have been, I had a near-death experience as a wow. child. And I remember always being told when I grew up that I almost died and that I'd been through this experience. And I, I kind of remembered this experience where I was in a garden and with Jesus talking. And I wasn't sure if it was real, if it was a dream, but when I grew up, I just had this memory. And then when I went to Peru and did a big ayahuasca uh, retreat be, to help me with depression because I had struggled with depression for decades um, from the time I was a child. 
I relived a number of experiences under the influence of ayahuasca that I'd had. And one of these experiences was my dear death experience and it was profound. Um, and this time I remembered everything cause I was witnessing the child and what happened to her. And then this, this talk with Jesus in this beautiful garden um, as well as re-witnessing a lot of trauma from my childhood, which was the root of the depression that I had struggled with and mm -hmm. was eventually able to break free from depression. I've never struggled with depression since then. Wow. So how did, uh, I'm always interested about near-death experience and I feel like uh, I always kind of, ever since I heard about it, I felt like uh, almost like I wanted to have it because it's like such a certainty that you get that there is going to be a life after death. And I feel like only like less than 0.1% of people in the world, probably less than that, get to experience the near-death experience. So um, it's interesting. I don't so even know if it's that rare. I, I think actually it's it would be interesting to take a poll on that. But it's um, it is rare. It is rare. Um, I've met a number of people that have had a similar experience and have also researched it a little bit since um, the, the complete the experience I had in Peru. And I went, went and talked to my parents, my family um, and said, you know, do you think I actually died? And because I have this complete memory and they said, yeah, you, you, you know, you were very close. We thought we had lost you. And I was just like, wow, you know, um, it was the most beautiful experience. I went from being in a state of incredible pain, like just excruciating. I had had the red measles and had been bleeding internally. And I had a temperature of about 107 or something unheard of. And they didn't want to take me at, the, at, at a couple of hospitals because I was infectious. And my mother was just crying and, you know, like really getting into it with the doctors, you know, because my mom's a very strong woman. Um, and, you know, you've got to take her. She's going to die. And so they they ended up taking me in this one hospital. And then I remember being in the waiting room or, or all of a sudden they they rushed me into this operating room and um, my mom was kind of outside knocking on the door at one point because I don't know what, I can't quite remember what alerted or the doctors, she came in. I think that's what it was. She came in because I'd been in there quite a long time and the doctors made her leave and told her that, that they were trying to get me to breathe. And she said, trying to get her to breathe and, um, <laughs> And so anyway, they, they, made, they made her leave and locked the door. Um, and then after that, I remember rising up above my body. And before I even rose up above my body, I saw my power animal, a horse. Like when I was a kid, a little kid, I used, I always loved horses. And I had this one horse that I would ride, just pretend, right? Like a, at least to everybody else, it was pretend. To me, it was my real horse and he's uh, called Star. And I, I would get on this horse and I'd ride him in the woods and I'd ride him around my backyard. Um, I loved this horse and I saw this horse above me. And normally I would call the horse to me when I was lonely. 
and I would call the horse to me when I needed companionship. But this time he was there waiting, which was unusual. And I just floated right up to him. And we, we, we just left the hospital and all the birds were singing and trilling and whistling and dusk was setting. And it was the most incredible evening as we rose above the hospital. And I could still see my family and, and what they were doing and that they were, they were crying. Everybody was really upset. And I was just so overcome with peace that even though I knew they were, they were full of grief, I was just so okay with everything. I was, I was detached from their pain. Um, and yet I, at the same time, I felt more love for them than I ever had. And I, I rose above the hospital. I was just in absolute bliss, never felt so happy, never felt so free or peaceful. Um, and then as we're rising up, all the birds started rising up together and it was almost like we were in at one flock the sounds of their singing, of the, the, the nature, the sun, the stars coming out, and then this white light that we're flying up to. It was so beautiful, so ethereal. Um, and then I went into this tunnel and I, um, I started seeing things from my past. And then I came out of this tunnel into this beautiful garden and it was the most exquisite garden I'd ever seen. And I'm, I'm, I'm healthy now, like I'm, I'm healthy and I loved gymnastics. So I'm starting to do cartwheels and somersaults on these, these beautiful lawns, you know, wisteria and roses and all these beautiful flowers around. Um, and then I see this person coming towards me in, in white robes and it turned out to be Jesus. Um, and his energy, was so beautiful. It was, it was just the most beautiful thing. I was raised Catholic. So Jesus was someone that I, I always cared about as a child. How did, boy, how did you know there was Jesus though? Just uh, curious. From just, he, he, he just looked like the pictures I'd seen, you know, and he was, he was um, wearing the long white robes and sandals like he wouldn't see in where I had grown up. Right. I'd never seen anyone dressed like that. I wasn't in the Middle East, you know, or in a monastery or something where people would maybe dress somewhat similar to that. But this was really, um, and I said, Jesus. And he said, hello, sweetheart. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'll just get some water. Um, and so we had this incredible talk. Wow. Hello, sweetheart. That, that's not what I was expecting, but interesting. <clears throat> Obviously, he was talking to you in English because you understand only English, I assume. So mm -hmm. he has to communicate in that way. But it wasn't telepathic. It was just, it was audible. No, it's telepathic. Okay. Okay. I okay. heard it. Everything was, once I passed over, everything became telepathic. Hmm. Even my, my talking to the star back and forth was had always been telepathic um <clears throat> with with this power animal but um with jesus it was telepathic and the first thing he said was hello sweetheart and then we sat and we we talked about the meaning of life a little you know um 
just, you know, I asked him questions and he responded. Um, and it was just, it was so peaceful. At one, yeah, yeah, it was really peaceful. At one point, he had um, put his arms out <clears throat> for me. And um, I went to sit in his arms. And I remembered thinking, oh, does he have a penis? Like, this is crazy for a little kid to be thinking. <laughs> okay. Abused at, by my grandfather. And so I was always afraid of men. And oh, this was after you were, you were abused, right? Yeah. And so I, and instantly, as soon as I thought that, I, I knew he was safe. Like I was just overcome with this feeling of safety. No, it's okay. It's not, he's not like that. You know, I, I'm safe. And, and I just melted into his arms. Like I, I, uh, it felt like so welcoming. Like I was home for the first time in my life. Hmm. And after a beautiful discussion, um, about love and peace. And I, I had grown up feeling very guilty and he just helped me to see things that were not really in the Bible. Like I thought I was, I, you know, I was going to hell. I thought, um, and you know, he had basically, he, he helped me to see life in a more metaphysical way. Right. than biblical way and it was it was really beautiful it was really affirming I, I, let's go back a bit, a bit what did he say about the the meaning of life i'm really curious he he had said that um i had asked about why there was so much fighting and right. why there was why people were so upset and he basically said that people had lost the rhythm of nature, their true selves. And they had found um, a path based on trying to get approval from others rather than from being real. And they had lost the spirit of, of generosity and of love, which was um, that, that people had experienced trauma and were seeking power, that they were always seeking power and that that um, instead of seeking to follow their soul mm. and that people were avoiding going into their, their pain so that they would, they would project it and act out um, against others um, and hurt others. And that it was it was a perpetuating cycle of of people not healing and being angry and then attacking others, um, and that that the key was to heal ourselves while we're still on Earth, and by doing so, that's how we rise in power. Did he mean spiritually heal ourselves, like through love? Spiritually. Like loving ourselves. We're going right into our pain, not avoiding it, feeling it, sitting with it, breathing into it, being with it. And he just held me. And he said, you know, with this pain with your grandfather, he 
he too had had that pain. And he opened up a window in which I was able to see my grandfather being, being abused uh, when he was a little boy in World War I on the ships. Um, as a ship hand, he was just like a little kid put on there to help grab this and that, six, seven years old, you know, eight years old. Um, and he was pulled into broom closets and abused and it went through horrible stuff over and over again. So nobody comes to pedophilia and those kind of issues without experiencing a lot of trauma. And because of the trauma, they feel so powerless. So when they are abused, they, they recapture the, um, I mean, I was a child. He didn't go into it in so much detail as what I'm saying right now. Right. He showed me his pain. And as soon as I saw my grandfather in such pain and struggling so, so awfully and saw him as a child, my heart just filled with compassion and something melted inside. And I felt sad for him. And I realized he was, you know, he was, he was really sick. He was trying to, I didn't quite understand it at the time. And since then I've made it a point to try to understand it more. And I believe that, that people that do that are so traumatized, they're just seeking to destroy something, to unleash this drive for power that's within them, this need, this in, uh, unquenchable thirst for power because of their own trauma. Hmm. So unless they go into it and heal it, they may continue this cycle of abuse in one way or another. Um, I want to touch upon also, you said that there was different, uh, what he was saying to you was different than the Bible. And the first thing that comes to my mind is um, kind of like uh, the thing I find interesting, the Dante's uh, levels of hell and levels of the purgatory and levels of heaven. So did he talk about that? Is there any truth to that, to Dante's... Uh, I believe that, yeah, um, he, he basically said that, that we create our reality and that if we believe we deserve hell and we're going to hell, we could actually see a hell-like creation because we are creating and projecting our reality through dreamlike holographic states all the time. And it's no different after death. Um, and so we can create that. We would not stay there for eternity or that kind of a thing. But definitely, if somebody really believes in hell and they die or they have a near-death experience, they could end up in hell. Because, you know, experience that. Timothy McVeigh famously said that, I know I'm going to hell, but I'm going to meet a lot of friends there. That's what he said, apparently. <laughs> so I well, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that would, you know, I mean, we, because also, I believe we create our reality. Um, we could certainly do that as well and see people there. Um, and that's also kind of humorous, you know, like those of us that have lived well have taken risks and probably done some crazy things. And I believe that that's, that's, that's actually to live in a way where you live really fully and robustly, you, you take some risks, you might end up hurting yourself more than the person who doesn't, um, but you live fully and richly. And the worst things that I've ever done 
um, have actually made me a better person and made me more pure in the long run. So there's there's something to be learned from contrast, you know, by right. doing something awful and experiencing it, we're, we're going to want to move in towards the light more. Yeah, I think ultimately that's what we hear. We make mistakes, we learn, and hopefully we grow spiritually because I think that's the that's probably the primary uh, mission. Maybe not for all people. I wouldn't. I think it's a choice, but uh, ideally we we grow spiritually, right? Mm, absolutely. Getting back to the heaven or hell, I remember uh, Jesus had said that we create heaven or hell with our thoughts. And that um, if we, if while we're even alive on earth, we create heaven or hell with our thoughts. And th this I found to be very true in my life and why meditation is so important to learn to master the thoughts and control the thoughts because it, the more you meditate, you can get to a place where, where the only thoughts that arise are pretty much the ones to direct you with what you need to do in your day next, you know, and you, you're freed of the obsessive kind of thinking and the, the um, self-deprecating thoughts and the obsessive um, nature of our monkey minds. So, um, yeah, uh, that's that's very true, you know, because we can live in the same earth and some of us will experience the most incredible life. Like, I love my life. I have so much peace and deep contentment. Um, my life is very simple now. It's become more simple over the years um, and more beautiful, like, like truly um, beautiful. And so for me, um, I believe, I believe that to be very true. I mean, I was a child at the time. So a lot of the conversation with Jesus was, was quite um, simple, but it was very clear and he helped me to, to see things. And then he helped me to, I didn't want to go back. He, he asked me if I wanted, if I would go back. And I said, no, I don't want to. I want to stay here with you. Of course, of and course. He, he, yeah. And he helped me to, to see my family, like, like he would open a window, he would go like this and I would see into the hospital, you know? Um, and that's what he did when he went like this and he opened this window into my grandfather being abused. And he just sitting here in this garden with him beside a, beside a beautiful river, it was, it was so healing. And I just got to the point where, it, and he had said that, that my pain that I would heal it and my pain would help others to heal the same pain. And that's why we're here to right. love each other and help each other. So is that why you decided to do um, something with uh, physical recovery and stuff like kinesiology and then healing? Yeah, yes. Well, actually, um, yeah, I went into, I, became, I was flight attendant for 10 years. So I flew wow. all over the world and would go in ashrams and temples and, you know, all the, most of the crew would be going out partying and drinking every night. And I, you know, I kept some distance from them because I, I too, in those years was still dealing with a lot of personal stuff and, um, and addict, addictive tendencies. And I just did not want to get into the whole drinking thing and that kind of a, of the party life that was very much a part of the, 
the scenario as, as, as flight crew back in those days, probably still is actually. Um, well, no, not with COVID, but it would have. <laughs> um, so after I quit flying, I went back to school and I majored in psychology at first. Um, and because I wanted to heal the world, because I wanted to heal myself, you know, and so there was this drive to learn more, to understand more, um, to heal myself. That was my primary drive in going back to school. But I was also very athletic and I loved exercise. And so I started studying kinesiology. And then at a certain point, we, we were supposed to do informational interviews to figure out what we were going to major in and and um, when I talked to the kinesiologists, they said their clients felt better from the very first session. They started, their mood went up, they were happier, they started losing weight, getting slimmer, feeling more energized, having a better outlook. Mm -hmm. Whereas sometimes the psychologist would say, well, often people get a little more depressed because they start talking about the hard stuff and, and they they just open up a door and then your session is over and they got to leave. And, you know, it's, it's not always so rosy. Sometimes they take their lives. Um, and wow. so, they, you know, after talking to a number of psychologists, I went, Whoa, you know, this is really important to think about. And so I ended up going down the kinesiology area instead, but still have, you know, always studied about, I have a number of certificates behind me in, in different types of healing modalities and doing um, uh, internal family systems parts work, completion process, a whole bunch of um, different uh, Reiki, pranic healing. Um, yeah, I, I have lots of uh, different things. I, I just wanna um, also, cause I'm so curious about this. Um, uh, about the differences between the Bible and, and what Jesus said. Is there anything else that you recall um, that you could uh, shine a light on? What was the difference, uh, some other differences between the Bible and what Jesus in your... Well, I, I said to Jesus that I thought I was going to hell hmm. because of what I had done. Like I lied, I had stolen things um and because of the ten commandments and the way it was dictated i thought i was going to hell and he said no that it's not so that we learn from our mistakes and that that we're meant to learn from our mistakes and that it feels better in your soul if you don't do those things It'll feel better in your heart. You'll have more peace and contentment. That will make you happier. But it's not to judge you. God does not judge. This was a big thing he said. God does not judge. God does not judge anything. And that was really huge for me. Because in the Bible, you know, the fear of God, judgment of God, is especially in the Old Testament, um, is all over. Yeah. Right? And, and most Christians, um, especially fundamentalist Christians, have a fear-based mentality. They want their kids to stay virgins till they're married so they don't go to hell. They want, you know, so much control, so much fear. And behind that is not a whole lot of peace, um, rather than teaching about the power of love and what a gift it is to be a virgin, to share that with someone you love. You want to, you know, really that person to treasure and respect and, you know, just real open, honest dialogue, not 
not, you know, shaming kids into thinking one way or another, because that will backfire. Yeah, obviously, uh, the religion part of uh, humanity has diluted the message of uh, primary message of Jesus, and we have many different ways. Uh, but I kind of feel like in a way that um, I don't know if this is a quote from the Bible, but it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in that in that uh, in that you start to think about your actions. And maybe that from that sense of uh, like you start to think about, you know, if I'm just if I'm just bad to other people that this is not going to bode well for my soul. And that's from that point of view, I think I agree with that, the fear of the world, because the fear of God, because from that, from that development point, people are like, um, otherwise they would do whatever they wanted, which would not be probably yeah. good. <clears throat> well, it would be really interesting to see what definition of that word fear, that the Bible was written in Aramaic, I believe, what in Aramaic the translation of the word fear was because everything's been translated and fear could have many different definitions depending um, respect honoring I would say those are more appropriate uh, words and because there it, um, another thing that Jesus said is that there is a spark of God within you that was another thing that I never got from the Bible, even though there is a scripture that that the, Jesus does say something along those lines. Yeah, something the kingdom of God, too. the kingdom of God is within you. I think that is yes, that exactly, right. exactly. And and the kingdom so that everything can fruit from this. Um, and so those were those were those were some of the things he said. So there's a lot. I mean, I think the Bible has so much wisdom. I'm not saying that there's not truth in the Bible. There certainly, I believe there is. But I think in some ways it's overrated in that there are some areas that are stressed more than others. And there's a lot of a lot of people that are that follow that read the Bible and you know believe that just because they believe that in Jesus that they're going to be saved, you know, and, and they can lead, lead these corrupt lives. And it's, it's salvation begins with, with self-love and from self-love springs all the love of everything else. Yeah. So I don't see salvation. I don't buy the, the Christian version of salvation either. I think the Bible's got great wisdom um, I love the Tao. Like for me, of all the different wisdom um, traditions, the book that resonates the most for me is the Tao Te Ching. Um, it is so beautiful. Um, you, you, there's a, actually a Wayne Dyer talk online, a YouTube video with the Tao Te Ching that, that it's just 81 verses, <clears throat> simple verses, but they are like, like um, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So some of them are proverbs, you know, things that we use, quotes that we use. Um, yeah, there, there's so many beautiful, beautiful, beautiful quotes mm. um, in the Tao Te Ching and it's simpler, it's simpler. And it's, it's um, it, it basically mirrors nature and universal patterns 
but it takes it into wisdom. Like it says that, uh, you know, you cannot do violence and die a natural death. You cannot be a violent person and die a natural death. And right. like a million different things. Um, so yeah, I think, um, you know, there. he just gave me a different glance into the meaning of things in the Bible. Because I believe there's there's incredible metaphysical wisdom in the Bible too. Like I've been um, also a student of A Course in Miracles and I, I have learned a lot and I love The Course in Miracles and I love The Course of Love. That's another book that was put out right. um, after The Course in Miracles. But I'm not a person that that just follows one thing. I hear something beautiful from a wisdom tradition and I just take it in like sipping fine wine and feel if it resonates in my heart mm. and if it doesn't I just I just toss it okay. so, can I share something I'll just be a quick sure. story um there was a healer of mine that um a friend of mine actually I should say and he's a healer happens to be a healer and he recommended one time that uh, by the way I'm Catholic I'm uh, my background is also Catholic but he recommended that I get baptized so that I would um, wash away some of the, I guess, the debris or whatever I had, you know, stuck emotions or whatever. So I was like, okay. And I knew a Christian friend and uh, we started meeting and then I did the, I decided to do the baptism in, in the Scottish Sea in the middle of winter, you know. Oh. Because okay, that was the time that I was deciding this. I was just like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it just in the sea, you know, and it happened to be winter at the time. And when we did it, I don't know if it was a cold or what, but I felt like, uh, I felt like really renewed. Like I was, I was like, uh, obviously I was baptized as a kid, as a baby, but that's not a choice. So when they presented those arguments to me, it kind of made sense to me that, yeah, you should decide by yourself. So when I did that, I was like, wow. And I could see how, um, how depending, depending on your motivation, the way you do it, it can change your trajectory of the soul totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like there is such power in that. There is power in Christianity. I mean, there's Jesus is incredible power. Um, like I also had an experience like that where I was rebaptized, you know, and through the Christian uh, way when I was older. And I remember when I, one of my very close friends down in California said, um, you know, she used to go to this church, Calvary Chapel, and I should check it out. And, mm. and I noticed a lot of times when Christian, they would get these great Christian bands and stuff sometimes. Oh, I loved Christian music because for me, I was had, like from very young, I've been in love with God, right? So <clears throat> some of these people would be raising their hands up and kind of dancing and doing kind of. <laughs> stuff and I was like wow this is this is cool man I love this and so um I asked a woman why do people put their hands up and she said well I believe it's because you're just surrendering in release like a child raising their arms to God to a to a father to a mother like I love you yeah. you know <laughs> and and it's like it's like a surrender it's like a honoring and so um and, and it's also powerful, like you should try it. And so I, I didn't do it that day. I just watched these people. I was still just kind of, you know, doing the looky-loo thing. 
And then the next time there was this concert, it was just the best music. And it, they were like, Jesus. And in the word Jesus, I went, Jesus, I put my hands up. And I just felt these bolts of electricity go through my hands that just kind of was like, whoa. You know, that was my first experience with the energetics. And that really drew me more to Jesus because of that experience and even the Christian church for a while. But then over time, um, some of the things I heard around like, like gay people being called perverts and, um, and, and almost like a welcoming of war to finish the world off so that we would all go to the new world kind of thing. Um, I just was like, whoa, you know, this is, this is, this is not for me. And I pulled away from it. And I also went back to university, started studying religious studies and st went into depth with Christianity and history. And I kind of saw some of the, the, the background of Christianity, Catholicism and Islam and whatnot in, and, uh, I was just like, holy moly, <clears throat> there's some there's some dark stuff going on there. So yeah. um, <clears throat> I mean, Islam especially has some uh, really mm. strange history to say the least. Now, absolutely, um, absolutely. I'm going to talk about that maybe with uh, the, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now. Um, what about, uh, okay. I have to say uh, for drugs, I've always avoided them. So, but I've heard of this drug and you mentioned it earlier in the episode, ayahuasca. And um, I have heard of it, but I don't know what, what is it? What does it do? And <laughs> so on. Sure. Um, ayahuasca is a plant medicine. They, uh, an ayahuascaro, the, the guys that um, hmm. ceremonies with it would be appalled if you called it a drug. Oh. Um, Okay, it's not call it a, a, a plant, a medicine, um, or the sacrament. And it is the mixture of the chacruna leaves and the ayahuasca vine, these two plants that grow in the Amazon. And they just cut them up and put them in a pot with boiling water and stir them and stir them. Sometimes they'll put in other herbs or plants as well, but usually it's just those two. And the chacruna has an MAO inhibitor. Um, yeah, and, and, and so it allows the, the, um, the DMT from the ayahuasca vine to be absorbed and into, into the body, whereas normally there's an enzyme in the stomach that breaks down the DMT so that we're not able to experience it. So the chacruna leaves are really important. It is a super powerful journey. Um, the, the very first time I did it was on the big island of Hawaii in a yoga retreat center. And it was a Santa Deme um, retreat center. Or no, it was just a yoga retreat center, but it was a Santa Deme uh, journey. And Santa Deme is this Brazilian church that does ayahuasca as it uses ayahuasca as its sacrament. And it's, it's kind of a Christian feel to it. A lot of the songs that they sing have Mary and Jesus and Joseph in them, um, as well as the word ayahuasca and whatnot too. It's kind of a funny mix of Christianity and it's a beautiful mix, but it's very different from the Amazonian type uh, 
right. during it's um it's it's very ceremonial everybody's supposed to bear wear white women are often in beautiful white dresses and it's um, often held in a, in, a, in a beautiful place and somewhere near nature. Um, and they, not always though, sometimes in the cities, they're just held in church basements or whatever. Um, and they, they really get you to dance and sing and, and there's a lot of celebration in that regard. Right. Um, and they, they explain the whole sacrament that you like before I did it um, I was with my daughter who was only 16 at the time I think just turned 16 too she was very young and I had been wanting to do ayahuasca for a few years because I had heard it helped cure depression and I had looked into it but you know I you never find it because it's, it's were you, wait were you depressed at that point kind of depressed yeah, yeah, I still struggled with depression at that point. Yeah, and it was worse in the winters. Um, yeah, but it was still coming in and out of my life, definitely. And that's why I was open to ayahuasca because I was never a person that liked chemicals. Like I wasn't someone who went through like a, like a lot of doing acid or anything like that. Yeah, I think same. I was a kid and you know, like I, I, I like to feel like I was in control and I didn't like same. to feel not being in control, right? So this was totally to heal. And it was, um, you know, beautiful. We would take the sacrament and, and dance around, you know, do our dancing. And then my daughter and I started feeling it. Um, and then they moved us out into the beautiful courtyard of this yoga retreat center. And it was just the most perfect Hawaiian day. And my daughter and I were like laughing and everything was funny. And as we started coming, I'll say coming off on this ayahuasca, because that's how it felt, everything became super blissful. And I could feel the molecular structure of the atoms of the air touching my hand and where the atoms of the air ended um or joined my hand that everything was linked i could actually see this web of life around me and and the way it was all connected wait was your daughter did your daughter take it as well yes oh <laughs> okay oh yes like i researched it for children they they did it in brazil we went to a, a long meeting with all these people um a few days before the ceremony too and we started researching it a lot I was very concerned for my daughter, but she was getting on the wrong path. She was, she was starting to smoke a lot of weed. She was hanging out with kids who were going nowhere. She was skipping out of school. Um, I was a single mom and right. I had to work nights, um, two nights a week. And I, you know, couldn't always keep an eye on her. And I, I was really worried about her. And she had had a lot of trauma as a kid too. Um, a lot of medical stuff. And her dad and I had split up when she was really young, like before elementary school. So she was really traumatized by that as well. And um, so I knew, I, I thought it would be really good for her. So I, we researched it and she really, she was like, so in like, oh yeah, <laughs> do this. I want to do this. I said, sweetheart, it might not be a cakewalk. This is not like smoking a joint with, with your friends. You know, this is, this is, could be really hard. So we researched it and she, she was all keen. So we went, well, we had so much fun for the next two or three hours. 
we just laughed and laughed and laughed. And we, we put these two yoga mats out on the, on the ground of the, the thing, thinking at first we could do some yoga, but we were both way too gone. We're just lying <laughs> and laughing. Everything was funny. Like there was these guys running around with these streamers of ribbons that were multicolored and, and there was so, and we would just watch them and laugh. And we had a joke about everyone, not in a mean way, but like there's this one guy who was um, a general. He had just retired from the army or something. And, and he, was a, he was a general and he had always been in control. You could tell he was the kind of guy who had always been in control and was used to people admiring him. And he was like a bug. He, was, he looked like one of those like dead bugs, you know? He, he, he wouldn't come out of this super tight position because he couldn't surrender. And we were laughing at this poor guy, you know, um, and, and just so many things. We, we just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. We had more fun. And like some of the mothers came up to us and said, oh, my God, would I love to experience that with my child, like just to, with my teenager, like just to be able to laugh and laugh and laugh. And we just held each other and and uh, talked about how much we loved each other and how lucky we were. And it was really precious. And then something shifted. And my daughter, and I took a smaller amount because I was watching her and she wanted to even go up for a second helping. And I said, well, I don't know, you know, don't take too much, but she went up and had another second helping. So she <laughs> was going deeper than me. And then she, um, all of a sudden she, I look over and she's starting to cry. Tears are starting to roll wow. down. I said, what's up, babe? And she said, I don't know, mom, I don't know. And then she just went into this really dark thing where she just cried for two or three more hours nonstop. She just cried and cried and cried. And I held her and I just rocked her and held her. And I just straightened up like, like, like right away because I was a mom first and, uh, and I loved her and I held her and she cried and cried and she actually went through a full rebirthing. She saw herself in the, like being squeezed. She felt herself compressed, super squeezed. And she had a very tough birth. She, I had a 56 hour labor with her and she almost died at birth. Um, she, she, she came out, you know, those cone heads that used to be, she came out with a head that went way up like this, like with, like, <laughs> or just felt a fit on the little cone on the way on the top because her head was so squished from being in the birth canal so long um yeah we almost lost her and and so she re she went through a rebirthing and she came out and like tabla rasa not remembering anything she just knew i was her mom that was the end she looked at me and she knew i was her mom but she had no other memories at first wow and That's it was crazy. incredible. And after that, like, she was just like, kind of in shock the rest of the day, like kind of, you know, when you've cried a lot, you're exhausted, she was just wiped and they were trying to get her up to dance and stuff, both of us. And I, I didn't like that aspect. It felt a bit too controlled, the Santa Dame ceremony, in my humble opinion, um, because I was her mother and I saw what she just went through and she just needed to be held and let to sleep and rest, you know? And, um, and they kept bugging us to get up and 
But anyway, um, it was incredible. And at the same time that my daughter went through that, a baby gray whale was born in Kahena Beach in the bay right in front of us. So it was incredible, this birthing of a baby whale and my daughter re rebirthing. Mm -hmm. um, and after that, my daughter started doing really well in school. She went to Quebec that summer to learn French. She moved, she started, she went to Quebec every summer for the next few years and then moved there. And now she's finishing a degree in French language. Like she's done so much with her life since then. It just opened up all these possibilities for her. And um, it's the friends that she was hanging out with, she moved away from, and she started going back to her old friends that were more balanced. and. And um, she graduated with decent marks and, you know, and it's just gone up for her. So it was incredible. Um, whereas I felt like I never, because I was taking care of my daughter, I had to go again. So I don't know if you want this whole thing to be about, <laughs> but the next experience I had, I was by myself and it was incredible. I went to another planet and I had conversations with God on a beach, on a beautiful beach. And it was just incredible. Hold so, on. so, so basically it's like a version of DMT. That's what it is. It's like, a yeah. okay. I never but it's very different from okay. the smoked DMT, right? It's very different from like when you ingest it. And I've heard that there's a big difference between snorting it and smoking it, that the snorting is much better. It's just hard to get the kind of DMT where you can snort it. I've heard but with the with the smoking, it's like what 10, 15 minutes, you're high, maybe 20. Um, and it's super intense and you're in another world. With this, you're in your own world, okay. right? So so this you eat. Yeah, this is like a concoction. Yeah, you drink it. You drink okay. it. Drink it, okay. And it's because of that other the MAO inhibitor that it's able to affect you the, the way longer. it does. Yeah. But it, wow. the journey lasts for eight hours. Like it's, you know, it's not um, six hours anyway. It's very intense. That sounds very intense indeed. It's almost like the, the way that I think of it, it's almost like everything has consciousness. And so this medicine has the consciousness of mother earth and it mixes with our own consciousness, our own higher self. And it, it feels like a snake when it starts to go through your body, like it's looking for where, if you had a broken leg, you'll feel some energy around where the, you broke the leg. Mm. You'll feel it move through your body and like it's working in areas where you've hurt yourself. Um, incredible intelligence. And it will, um, I believe it figures out what you need most because every single journey um, is different. In Peru, I'll just, just to kind of wrap up about the ayahuasca, in Peru, it was very dark for me. Every single journey, I took the maximum amount they would give me, give us, because I wanted to heal this. I was only there for um, a week at, in, at this retreat center, and I wanted to make sure I, I wanted to leave this behind me. And I was incredibly sick, like physically sick, not just the nausea, my back was incredible pain. My whole body was just racked with pain. And in the midst of this, and I felt like I was drowning in, in a sea of agony. And it was like black, like I was drowning in this black quicksand. Everything was black, 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 black. No psychedelic lights, no, no beauty, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> was just like, oh, and what it felt like looking back 
is that I went into all the shame that I'd carried my whole life. And I had to feel the intensity of the pain and the shame. And maybe I even did some ancestral healing. I don't know. But it was really dark. And then my last journey there, um, again, I took the heroic dose. And, some, and it was changed. I started seeing these bright lights. Um, and I was going, oh, good, I'm not going into the black quicksand this time. You know? <laughs> and I was and I started seeing um, more color and it wasn't as painful. And then my my power animal flew up to me again without me calling him just just boom came into the into into the picture and then i had this vision of me carrying this massive ball and chain um over my back and the ball was almost as big as my body was and i was hunched over and i could still feel all this incredible pain in my back i was in a lot of had a lot of back pain when i was in peru um and the horse flew up to me grabbed the chain and the ball in his teeth flung it up over his back and then flew off and then bucked this ball up into the air and the ball broke into a million pieces that turned into psychedelic colors and swirled and then they turned into a carnival. Okay. At first, at first it was like fireworks and then it was like a carnival, a, car a Ferris wheel started and then a carnival and it was all of a sudden a celebration and then all my power animals came in and my spirit guides and Mother Teresa and Jesus and everybody was celebrating. And from the moment that ball burst, my back pain disappeared and I knew my depression was gone forever. Do you know what that, okay, I guess it was depression, but I guess it was uh, uh, kind of the pain body that you were carrying with you. Yes, all the, exactly, all the... the pain body, the shame, Yes, the agony, the agony of lifetimes, I don't know. Okay. But my life has been very different since then. And it's been very hard because it's been walking absolute authenticity in every step. And that is not easy. People don't like it when you go from being someone who's nice to everyone to someone who speaks the truth all the time. Um, I try still to be nice yeah. with the truth, but I'm, you know, it I'm is a truth speaker it is tough to speak the truth especially when it goes against the mainstream stuff and we'll get totally. into that a little bit but i want to talk about uh, first of all meditation the importance of meditation sure. you mentioned earlier um, absolutely and also compare meditation with prayer like um okay ideally i think people should do both but uh why do you think first of all people should meditate daily if you even go one day with missing meditation, it's harder to get into the zone where you're home, where you merge with the Godhead and you're just at peace. And so the longer it takes to quiet the thoughts and to sink deeper and deeper and deeper into deeper levels of yourself, where you find that zone of pure peace, pure bliss, pure contentment, Satchitananda, um, then that much longer it's going to take. So sometimes if I've been really busy and haven't been able to meditate for two days or something, um, it takes me a little longer. If for some reason I've been on a holiday and it's been a, a while, I might not get to that, that place where I feel like I'm home. 
And it might be, especially if something traumatic has happened or it's super busy, I might have more thoughts and I just have to keep breathing and surrendering them. The reason I think meditation is far more important than prayer is because I believe that everything that comes to us in life is a gift. And often prayer is asking for things. And I think the only prayer that we need is thank you. And simple things like help me to let go, help me to surrender, you know, but no, give me this, give me that. Right, right. Okay, that's uh, outlining, um, as they call it, outlining what, what do you want? Yeah, but absolutely. I, I think concession too, praying for others, I think is very powerful. Oh, yeah. You know, but I use envisioning too, like I will see like all these human traffic children and I was doing that in the wee hours this morning up in my meditation and sending a lot of light to these children. Um, oh, I so, you, so you're uh, projecting out what you want to the world. Yeah. I think that's a positive prayer. Um, yeah. And also, what about uh, people that pray? Uh, what is uh, God's will for me? I think that's that's a prayer that I find very, very interesting. And I uh, try to use more often in my day because... Well, this, this is the beauty of meditation is that it puts you into God's will. There's no question. Hmm you meditate and you go home it is so clear the alignment you absolutely know when you're stepping out of god's will in a way that you just don't get if you're not meditating so it is why you meditate to become aligned to walk the to walk the hero's journey hmm. well let's talk about let's switch gears and talk about uh the worldly affairs um this year has been really a uh, very strange um and uh i remember in march i was really attacked by a a guy i i thought was my friend and he uh i basically said why don't we stop this uh talk about lockdowns and just uh take supplements like vitamin d and stuff take care of ourselves and if you're really vulnerable go into uh lockdown yourself but don't impose this on a wide scale and I was accused of being a sociopath and this and that, you know, and uh, I really, uh, cause, uh, at the time I kind of valued the opinion of this person. So it really kind of hurt sure. me. Yeah. So, uh, so what do you think about the, uh, the, I guess it, let me backtrack. And I think in a way it helped the world because people were, were faced with themselves for long periods of time. They didn't have to go to work for a while and all that. So from that point of view, it was beneficial. But I think it, the longer it goes on, the more destructive it will be, I think. So- I agree. I agree. Without right. question. Without question. I think, I think there's, you know, there's always hidden gems in everything. There's, there's ways of finding silver linings. And it's interesting how, as COVID hit, the consciousness on the planet is, has been rising for some time. And the, the people that run the planet, <laughs> that are above the presidents and the government, um, they have seen this. And it's, the, it's, like, a, it's like a last ditch you know, effort to maintain control of the earth and keep all their dark secrets secret. There's many, many people who don't want to see what is really going on. And the media has been, mainstream media has been very effective at brainwashing us since we were kids, you know, like when I was a child, we were afraid of the Russians. 
we were afraid of Russians because Walter Cronkite, who was the, the main newscast, quoted the most trusted man in America in right. the 70s. He was part of the CIA and he he was our main anchorman. And he would, he just in a really lovely way, just like lovely Bonnie Henry that we have here in the province I live in, she speaks calm and she looks so concerned, but she's, she's, um, it's not the truth that she's speaking. And she's basically just a hand puppet of these, the elite that are getting her to control. Like there's a lot of scientists and doctors and politicians that are stepping up now and saying no more. This has right. gone way too long. This is not that they really see what's going on. Like in an hour after we're finished, I'm heading downtown to a rally in Vancouver, BC, where I live for no lockdowns, no masks, you know? And um, the fellow who, who sings the Canada, Canada's anthem here in Vancouver at all the big hockey games, who's a really big, you know, uh, really big star, beautiful singer. He said that he would sing O Canada at the wow. opening of this rally. And so they fired him. Like he's been the main singer <laughs> and of course it's publicized. It's just fear mongering. Like if you do that, we'll make your life miserable. And I'm sure they'll have face recognition stuff down there. And, you know, I don't like that. My parents, the last time I was at a rally, I was on the front page of the paper. And, you know, I mean, because I was in the front row, you know, like, like, <laughs> because I really think it's important that we, we hear the facts and the censoring is incredible. The it's, censoring on Facebook has been just uh, incessant. They, they even censor uh, Trump every, every, uh, every tweet he posted, like on the election day, there was, yeah. it was, this is, this might be misinformation or something like that. There was a, uh, really truly stunning the the, yeah. the amount the link they go to but i think uh, going back to cronkite it seems that journalism has uh has become worse cronkite compared to um cronkite journalists of today are overly partisan they are just uh outward like just uh the overt hacks, a lot of them compared to Cronkite. Cronkite. I think, I think it was still pretty bad back then. This brainwashing that they do, it is a version of MKUltra that they, that they put their CIA agents through and others. Um, they, they've used that to destroy the lives of many. Um, but I think it might be worse because it's more widespread and it, yeah. it a bigger addiction for people a lot of there's a lot of people that don't get off their phones or the computer or the television or whatever they're always plugged in and it's always mainstream and so their opinions are made for them but the government uses propaganda and they use it very effectively like i think i just did a post on the social dilemma um that movie and history and propaganda because that movie showed some really accurate things at first. It showed the effects of social media, it, you know, the bullying, the, the addiction, all these negative aspects of it. But then it builds it up. You start to fall in love with this incredible family, you know, family values. They love each other. They're mixed racial family. They do it all perfect so that everybody fits in and everybody loves this family, right? Mm. And then and and they look like they were a family that that was maybe a second marriage because some of the kids were Caucasian, some were some were not. Um, 
and then they they have they show the kids get stuck in a hostile protest that's violent and and they build the the energy going forward and and at the end the and it shows these nervous whistleblowers as well that's huge because you think oh my god what are they going to talk about and you know you get all kind of excited that we're going to find out some stuff and they start divulging stuff that's that's really serious and really true and um and 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 like it's stuff we need to know but then at the end they wrap it up by saying this is without censoring it will bring a civil war and by the end of the movie you believe that you believe that we need to lose our freedom of speech Fre losing a freedom of speech is communism right. it is the biggest type of communism and that is what we're facing globally it's wow so this this is the movie I was recommended and said it's a good documentary, but it sounds like sounds like it is a good documentary. It's still but going it also in with them. Lots of propaganda to warp your mind towards believing in censoring, believing in losing freedom of speech, and into being scared of rallies, scared of protests. Don't go to those. Look what happened to those kids on the movie. Right. right? Well, you know, it, um, it forms your opinions. Like a year ago or so, I was watching uh, Slovenian TV because this uh, this is where I'm from, and I'm currently here in Slovenia. And uh, I was watching it, and it was just uh, seemed like an innocent program. And uh, for about five minutes, kids were talking about how hate speech is wrong, how people shouldn't do hate speech, and this and that. And I'm thinking to myself, but but they don't even like they don't even cite an example. They're just saying blanket hate speech. So this is a slippery slope. You can say. Uh, this is the anti-mill, you know, that uh, John Stuart Mill, the philosopher, he was saying that people need to debate ideas because if you say something's forbidden, then then you, you exclude some ideas from it. Some, um, he said a clash of ideas will be good because, because who are you? Are you the absolute to say that something is absolutely wrong? You can't be like that. Like, obviously, in today's discourse, we, we see the effects of Nazism and all that, but, but like, things like COVID and all that, these are not black and white things. These are discussable things. And um, the mainstream media, it's censoring. And that is that is wrong, if not even evil, I think. I agree. I don't think anything should be censored. If you censor, for example, say you censor uh, hate speech, that's a good example. Uh, we see somebody doing that. We know we don't want anything to do with that person you know, or those people. And, and yet it's important to see the darkness and to understand, well, why? Like, I love this one woman did incredible documentary on, um, on, on hate speech and, and uh, she, she, she wanted to get to know the people that were there. And, you know, all of them were, had been psychologically affected by their parents, you know, and their lives. And, and it had all started, in, in childhood and, and was passed on. And everybody is an innocent child of God doing the best they can, but the more trauma someone gets, the more they can get pulled into the dark path. Like, you know, that thing about the white wolf and the dark wolf, which one is more powerful? Well, right. the one feed, that's very true. That is very true. It's in our genetics. So if we feed ourselves with dark music and dark propaganda and dark pornography and dark, 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 we will become dark. There's just absolutely right. no question.
I think that's what happens with a lot of Antifa people and some Black Lives Matter, the organization, I mean, is yeah. that uh, the, those people don't have their lives in order and they're using, it's like a, it's like a relief. You, you get part of a group and you get to project your hate onto somebody else and you feel justified. There was a Black Lives Matter woman in Chicago that was saying uh, she was justifying looting and she was saying it's reparations. The amount of like, you know, they're just rationalizing uh, theft. They're rationalizing uh, crime, basically. That's what it is. And they feel good about it too. It's, that's just, uh, anyway, um, I want to touch upon the, uh, the vaccines. The vaccines may be coming. I'm not a big fan. Um, I, I understand you have a position about the vaccines as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not a fan. Okay. Um, the vaccines have been proven to have nanoparticles, which can cross the blood-brain barrier, making people very easy to control. It will essentially turn people into artificial intelligence. It will also cut their, their source connection. Really? Are you... Are you are you 100% sure about this? Well, nobody's 100% sure on anything. But from the research I've done, um, they will, they'll be programmed. They'll be completely programmed. Oh, do, you, do, you, do you think they'll be more susceptible than after they get the vaccine that somehow they'll be able oh, to? Oh, totally, totally. Okay. In fact, I've also heard that it will, it will cut their ability to feel their emotions. <clears throat> Fully. So they're basically a psychopath. You know, they're a walking controlled artificial. Um, like, like this is where it's looking. I'm and these are lots of scientists that are that are talking about this. Of course, most of it. Dr. Carrie Medev is a good one to plug into Christian Northrup. Um, these are doctors that have studied vaccines for years. Um, yeah, it's 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 really, really bad. Um, back before when you said somebody's controlling, who do you think is controlling the United States, if not the, the government? Do you think that the deep state, the bureaucracy is controlling it? No, I, you know, I'm not a QAnon follower so much. The way I see it is that there is there are negative high frequency beings that have been in touch with humanity for millennia. Um, but they, they've really taken on um, a connection with the, the, the Rockefeller families, you know, the, the Rothschilds, the, the, um, a lot of these, like going back hundreds of years now. I mean, Hitler was very much involved with their influence. They, they received a lot of high technology, like there's been a trade, they've, they've given them um, these, these negative high frequency beings, um, mostly off planet, um, but they essentially, we were, we were all like, this is getting pretty crazy. Oh, like, like take what you want, leave the rest. But we were created as human beings. We were genetically spliced and made from a few different, um, beings, you know, you mean by aliens by aliens yes and it was not meant to be this nefarious thing at first but but one of them was to make us more susceptible to becoming slave-like and following authority and um not not be standing up for ourselves and in our real true sovereignty hmm. um so there is some of that influence as well but 
the main thing is that these negative high frequency beings love fear. They actually feed on fear. And they that all the human trafficking stuff feeds into that. It's actually really, really sick and really awful. And you can learn a lot of this online. And I'm not right, gonna right, right. but but what they've done is they've they they very much the people that like you know I talked about the black wolf and the white wolf. Well yep. a lot of these people that are behind the presidents, they're the corporatocracy. They run they own all everything in the world. They're the ones that that force wars. They're the ones that own the the big corporations, big oil, Monsanto, all that. They there is so much darkness. Mm. You know, can't do things like you know, kill children and, and abuse children and, and not pedophilia be, and all that that's connected yes, to that. And yeah. not be affected deeply and then have more of this this drive to take more power and to be more ruthless. And mm. and eventually you continue down that path, you will lose your source connection and you move more into the need to destroy. Right. And so there is unfortunately there are some shadow controllers who are, that are semi-human, um, got a beautiful birds out here, um, that are semi-human that are controlled by these, by these negative high frequency beings. And those shadow controllers are like these super rich families. Those are the ones we know about. They're hybrids, they're half, I call them hybrids because they've really lost their, their source connection, their desire to be beautiful, loving souls on the earth because of so much darkness that they right, right. at some point cut that off, I'm sure, and get down on their knees and try mm. to start again and get honest. But their inability to be honest with themselves and others and, and their inability to give up their incredible wealth or to share or to, you know, I, I mean, most of them are, most of them will, they'll, they'll destroy themselves in the long right. run, you I, know. I, I tend to see it more uh, more as a simple like uh, good versus evil. I, I believe there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, power corrupts. So when these bureaucrats have a lot of power, they just latch onto it. They don't want to let go. And I think I, uh, that's my uh, simple I, view of it. That Yeah, uh, well, it is sort of true, but it's more of a trauma thing. It's more of the more trauma you have, the more right. you, you need power. It's actually not about good or evil. It's it's really about power at the basic level. And they are so thirsty for more and more and right. more power. Is, okay, let's, um, because uh, of the lost power as children. And they will just... And actually, when they take the life of a child or abuse a child, they feel the powerlessness and it makes them feel more powerful. So it's a really sick way that they, right. that they uh, and uh, yeah, like the trafficking thing is way worse than people realize. So uh, I'm gonna tie Trump into this because Trump has been well known to, to be very anti at the, uh, the human trafficking and uh, pedophilia and all that. He's be actively more prosecuting people than I think Obama ever did. Um, oh yeah, Obama was in on it, unfortunately. I mean, I don't know if he was into human trafficking, but he signed orders for children to come to these parties of these guys. Like he paid 
taxpayer dollars out to bring children in to entertain. Um, really? Is not innocent. He's not as he, bad as Clinton's, I don't think, but he's certainly not innocent. Right. Do you think that will come out like uh, in the near Trump, future? Trump has, uh, Trump has actually done some really good things. Like I, you know, I know people hate them because they watch mainstream. Yeah, and that's it. Their opinions have been formed by mainstream media. They spin everything Trump says. They they hide everything good he does. Fox News is a little more open. They show more um, of what Trump says and does because right. it's more of a Republican channel. But I am not Republican, and I am not, you know, um, a super Trump supporter. But I have just watched what he's done. And he's done some incredible things. And what I've heard through inside Intel is that the reason he wanted to put the wall up is not because of rapists. That's the way they spun it. You know, all the Mexican people are horrible. It was not about racism. It's because the United States has more human trafficking than anywhere else in the world. And most of the children come up from the South border and they're brought up through Mexico, through from South America and other places. Right. So like 10,000 children brought into the States every year for human travel. I think that was definitely part of it. But part of it was uh, the problem of not uh, ever curbing illegal immigration. But part of it was that as well. They can do whatever they want if yeah. the borders open. Right. Absolutely. Um, it was both. It was both. But people don't understand that, that, that all of what's going on right now is to expose the darkness and the human trafficking. Like that is a big part because the human trafficking is their primary business. They make a trillion dollars, trillions off this human, a, a child, a little child can have 10, 12 tricks in a day. Right. And then when they get ill and sick from this horrible thing and they just take them out, they sell them to the next bidder who wants to kill them. You know, it's, it's, it's really bad. Do you think they have a role in it uh, in the election, the the meddling and because there's been a lot of fraud, but the mainstream media is not covering any of it. Is is oh, not... it'll come out. It'll come out. There's been a lot of fraud. Trump will get in, I believe. Do you think by the end of the month he'll get in? No, I believe probably by the end of January we'll have a lot of information. I think this month, the way it's set up, even astrologically, it's going to be a rocky month. I don't yeah. think we're see that kind of stuff till next month we'll see more and more and more especially people like you and i that are more on on the awake end i don't like to use that term because some people feel like it's not fair you know to call some awake but there is there's there's i mean the stuff that i've been talking about the average person is just going to think i'm crazy you know well, but let them because CNN. truth comes out eventually because they watch bbc or cnn and the rest that's not on yeah. that is not real it's not real and even Absolutely. Fox News has been, um, they have some horrible people on there. Wallace, uh, I don't know if you watched the debate. Wallace was, uh, was- I don't watch mainstream. Wallace so. was very favorable to, towards Biden and he was hammering uh, Trump. But he's not, he pretends to be unbiased, but he's really a Democrat, uh, you know, uh, Chris Wallace. Uh, don't like that guy. Anyway. <laughs> I heard I stuff right. about Chris Wallace, but I never watched it. So I don't know, but- right. uh, Okay, um, let's- Mainstream uh, news hardly at all. Right, so let's end on a positive note. So in this okay. environment that we are in today, what can people do? 
I guess you will say probably meditate. Well, right? <laughs> well, meditate, but no, like truly connect, like connect deeply. There are so many people that are waking up at this time. And there are groups of us that are coming online and connecting online. And you know what? I don't buy the lockdown, get some hugs, see, see people. Like I, I, I'm heartbroken. My parents haven't, haven't been willing to, you know, see us kids and, and they're so afraid of COVID and it's so sad because it's just a bad flu and they've made it into this pandemic, which it's not, it's really um, a global power grab. So what people can do is they can meditate, they can exercise, they can eat healthy, they can get out in nature, grab a tree, hug a tree, um, take vitamins, lots of vitamin C, D, zinc, that's going to help you fight COVID. Um, eat lots of fresh foods, you know, vegan foods are healthiest. Um, just because of the, unless you can get like, like, re, like hunt or get really on, you know, tampered meat, the amount of pesticides and stuff, and right, the, right. Fear, the, the fear energy in the animals that you're taking in. So you can bless you, your food, do all those good things and just love themselves, like realize that this is not the end of the, this is not the end of like the world. What right. is happening right now is the rising of consciousness. And so through the law of entrainment, which means that no two vibrations can coexist at, at opposite, opposite levels, they've got to come together. So, and what happens is the, the darkness comes up. So we're seeing all this darkness and we have to see it. We have to witness it. We have to go, oh my God, there is a huge human trafficking thing all these missing children, like, you know, we need to, we need to know the truth and we need to, we need to feel it, feel it, feel the, the, the awfulness of it. And then, and then forgive, believe it or not, we're even going to need to forgive these shadow controllers and these, right. these leaders and these horrible people down the road. But first of all, we got to feel it and heal it. So we've got to do like we can't plug into videos 24 7 and feel good like the the hard to hear videos we have to unplug from social media unplug from from tv and stuff sometimes we have to get in nature we have to see people who are real and that really honor us and above all we have to be authentic we have to align with our own higher self and and be true to that and if somebody is saying something like oh i can't wait for the vaccine and we don't agree with it we need to say that could be a very dangerous vaccine and just leave yeah. it there say it calmly stand in our power be humble do not argue or you're going down to their vibrational level just say i wouldn't i would rather go to jail than take the vaccine state our truth whatever it is yeah and um and if they want more details they can ask you know just tell them you know like at one point i was sending a lot of people videos and stuff because i was so alarmed in march and early april when i realized oh my god this is it this is what's going down i've been expecting this for decades mm -hmm. um, that i started sending some friends and, and i blew away some 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 friends <laughs> Um, and my family, my do. family's very patient. They just delete. Oh, there's Jane and her radical ideas. Eh, you know, right? Um, you know, some people and some people asked me to stop, so I did. Um, 
and now I ask people, let me know if you want this stuff. And I'm, I'm better about that. Right. But uh, we have to find things that raise our vibration. Service to others. That's another really big one. Make a big pot of soup and take it to someone sick. Um, don't worry so much about COVID unless you're really at risk. Go to the rallies or, or support the, the petitions. Like, like, honestly, we need to, we do not need to fight. Do not argue. Do not get into anything violent. This is a nonviolent movement of standing in our sovereignty, of following our souls, of following God's will, of doing the right thing in every moment. And that is what will take us to the higher dimensions that we're moving into and bring about the beautiful new world that we are creating. Yeah, beautiful. I think the late uh, Dr. Hawking said, David Hawking said that evolution brings revolution so uh, yeah. as the consciousness uh, is uh, going up the evolution of it brings about revolution because it unstabilizes the negativity and then it brings it up to the surface and i think that's exactly. what we're seeing now with antifa and the lockdowns and everything it's just bringing out the cultural marxism and the uh uh the totalitarian um, tendencies of some people in the government definitely exactly so. exactly and the darkness will dissipate, it will dissolve, it will burn itself out as we witness it and as we hold that higher consciousness and just send light to all of it, send light to the children, send light to the leaders, send light to the shadow controllers and, um, and, and just do our best to step into a, our, our higher self. So if people want to contact you for a healing session, where can they, can they find you? Find me, um, Janetta Jane Transformations on Facebook. That's the okay. best. So I'll link it on the video. ETA. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. So my Facebook page is the best place to reach okay. me. And what kind of sessions do you offer? Just so they know. Um, I do a lot of stuff. It goes into a lot of detail on that page. It For me, it's often intuitive. Somebody will tell me what's going on. And I will take them into, sometimes I'll take them into the last trigger they had and I'll teach them how to process emotion. It, everything is different. I, I really get intuitive guidelines on, on how to work with people. And then I just do. Some people need more physical, nutritional. Most people, it's far deeper than that. Right. The spiritual, psychological, emotional healing. Okay. So yeah, obviously they need some time to remove the, the trauma. It's not just a quick session for some people. It probably needs a bit more work and meditation and so forth. It's, it's a journey. Like you can have one session can do a ton of good, but if you're not meditating and you're not, you're still being dishonest and lying to people, liars don't heal. Carolyn Miss talked about that. Right. Um, you have to really make a choice to follow the white wolf and um, that keeps you healthy, that keeps you well, that hmm. puts you on the path you need to be on. So it's a, it's a journey for all of us to become our best self. It's kind of the parallel for the matrix, follow the right rabbit. And uh... yes. there you go. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. thank you so much for being on my podcast. Janetta Jane, oh, my everybody. Pleasure. <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure, Matthias. And thank you everybody for watching this or listening to this. Thank you very much. Okay. Have a great day.